joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above, melts the clouds of Thank you for joining us for this program from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ. How many of you have sat there this morning and wondered why in the world are there lamps on stage? Just like three of you? I don't believe it. I believe more of you probably have. Um, I will tell you, I had this, I, I stole this particular idea from somebody. Good preachers come with their own stuff. Great preachers take other good stuff and make it great. Um, and so I was getting ready to set all this stuff up. And as I'm setting it up, Blair goes, it looks like a man's put it together. I'm like, well, a man has put it together. And so she made it look a little more, a little more presentable. Although I did get lamps that all matched. That was that was my contribution. But this morning, I want us to talk about this idea of when the lights go out. When the lights go out. As we open up our Bibles and we look at a very familiar passage from Matthew chapter 5. Go with me there to Matthew chapter 5 if you have your Bibles. If not, you can read from the screen with us. But we come to a part of Jesus' teaching that we're, we're very familiar with. We, we, we hear and, and read and, and know these words almost by heart. He says, you are the light of the... A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I think that that's one of the biggest kind of callings that we have as Christians. As Christians, we know that God has told us in, in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different situations, it comes back to this particular idea that we need to let our light shine. And we've been taught that. We've been taught that since we were little bitty. This little light of mine, I'm going to... Let it shine. And so that is just instilled in us as children of God. But the truth of the matter is that there is going to come times when Satan looks at us and he goes, I don't like your light. I don't like the fire that's burning in your life. I don't like what you're producing. I don't like the, dis the disciple that you're becoming. I don't like all these God things about you. It's like we've said before. Satan doesn't necessarily want you. He just doesn't want God to have you. And if you're letting your light shine, then he knows for a fact that God's got you and that you are His, and that you're living in that walk and in that journey with Him. And so He wants to do everything He can to try to get you to turn your light off. And that's the thing, is Satan can't turn your light off. I want you to understand that this morning. Satan cannot turn your light off. Matter of fact, Paul puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians. He says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. He doesn't say don't let someone else do it. He says in a very individual way, you don't do it. Once you turn your light on, once you start that fire within you, the only person that can shut it off is you. But boy, Satan does some things in our lives to really, to really kind of put us in that direction sometimes. And as we think about, especially to our six seniors, part of this lesson is really going to be geared towards you in the next steps, while also some of these things I believe all of us can take and 
um, really apply. I think that we've either been there and have overcome it and are letting our light still shine, or maybe we're still struggling with it, okay? But I believe some of these principles are, are for all of us this morning, but then some of these, some of these may be for our, our younger people, maybe in particular as well. But what I want us to do is I want us to think just for a few moments, very quickly, some things that distract us that make us want to put out our lots, okay? And so as I think about, um, and, and, and I put out on Facebook earlier this week this question to kind of help me prep for this, and several of you responded, and I appreciate that because it really helped me form some of the thoughts that we're going to talk about this morning. But what are some distractions that put out our lights? Well, especially when I think about the idea of leaving home and going to college, one of the things that I believe that distracts us and puts out our lighter or, or can cause us to dim our light is a circle of new friends. So we'll start right here with the idea of a circle of new friends. Because you see, when we get somewhere new, and when we're with new people, and those new people are people we're not familiar with, we're not necessarily comfortable with, we're trying to maybe fit into a new crowd, we're trying to figure out what my place is in this new, new kind of area, and I think about one of the things that I thought about this week as I was preparing was um, Jake and Brant. Jake and Brant, from, from what I can gather, have pretty much been inseparable since birth. Um, you know, if you ask Brant, you can only live, uh, you got to make a decision. It's either Lily or Jake. I'm not saying who he chooses, but he's going to school with Jake, okay? I mean... But they're going to school together, all right? They're going to school together. They're going to be in this new situation together, these best friends. But now all of a sudden, instead of this core group that they've always had, even though they're still together, they're going to be put, y'all are going to be put in this new group of people that you've never dealt with before, that you don't understand the dynamics of. And sometimes if we're not careful, that new circle of friends, I'm not saying they're all good, they're not necessarily all bad. Sometimes that new circle of friends will distract us just enough to make us put our lot out. So we have to be careful with that new circle of friends. The next one, and I think maybe this is true, so true in the college environment, is a new level of freedom. A new level of freedom. Now, unless you're like me, and you go somewhere like Fried Hardeman University, one of these Christian campuses, uh, when you roll into these colleges, it's completely different. Matter of fact, I really think that I had more freedom at home than I did in the dorms at Fried Hardman. My curfew was later at home than it was in the dorms at Fried Hardman. Um, but most colleges are not that way. Most colleges, once your mom and dad drops you off, you're free to do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it, however you want to do it. And, and, and I believe Brenda is the one that mentioned that uh, as you kind of, as she grew up, and, I, and this is so true, as we grow up and we go through high school, our lives up to that point have been pretty routine. You know, you get up, you go to school, you go to church, you go to golf, you go to cheer, you go to band, you got all these, you know, you go to school. I mean, it's pretty much just kind of, I just, I, I get in this routine, I get in this mode, and everything just kind of, it's in automatic, and I just go and do. Now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I go to school, and this was maybe my first biggest struggle, is there's no one there to tell me to go to class. 
No one there to tell me to go to class. So do you think I went to class? No. Um, I have been at college longer than a lot of people, but actually went to college less than a lot of people. Because I couldn't handle that freedom. That freedom, there again, is not good. It's not bad. It's just different. It can be a distraction. It can lead to good things, but if you're not careful, it can lead you into a direction to where you're making decisions that you know you don't need to make. You, you'll be put, your, you put yourself in situations that I know I shouldn't be here, and if you're not careful, it puts out your light. The next distraction is the distraction of comparison. Along that idea of what Brenda shared in her post of routine, one of the comforts, I think, of high school, especially in small-town America, is you kind of know where you fit. And we've talked about this in our young adult class before, and uh, we, we, we talked about uh, as you grow up and you go through high school, the different tables that you sit at. And you've got your, your band table, and you've got your um, shop table, and you've got your, uh, your athletics table, and we, we, we all made the joke because Alex made the joke of you've got your core athlete tables, and then you've got everybody else. And I'm not going to say who he said everybody else was, but you can ask him to, to define real athletes and, and not real athletes. But you, everybody has a place, right? Everybody fits into a certain place in school. That's just kind of there for you. And you get in that spot and you get comfortable in that spot. Now, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm going and I'm, in, and I'm in a new environment. And, and I'm not sure where I fit in. And I used to be this guy or I used to be this girl. And now I, I'm with people that, 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 that are so different. And I used to be the smartest and now I'm not. This person's smart. And I'm, comp I'm constantly comparing myself to other people trying to figure out where I fit fit in. That's a dangerous place because your success, your ability to lead a, a great positive Christian life, this is a great Christian principle in our faith as well. No, what someone else does has no bearing on who you are. What their gifts are, what their talents are, has no bearing on what God has given you and what he's called you to do. But when we get into the world and we start comparing ourselves to other people, it's so easy to let that drain our influence and drain ourselves from our, uh, or let our light just kind of go out. The next one is, is time management. Time management. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that I, as I have, have, as I have had friends that have gone on and, and have played college sports, they talk about how, uh, they used to play sports because it was fun, and then when they get to college, they're playing a sport because it's a job. It's a job, and it's treated like a job. And now all of a sudden, I've got to figure out how to fit this job of a sport into my day, um, along with classes, along with study time. Um, hey, I've got a girlfriend. I've got to figure out how to fit her into this you know, all of a sudden, hey, I still want to talk to mom and dad. I got to figure out how to, oh, I would love to go home this weekend, but I can't because I got to do this or, or that. At some point, I've got to, oh, man. I, and, and time management is something I think as, as, as kids, teenagers, we don't, we don't think a lot about. And before I know it, not only have I misjudged, not only have I misjudged just my, my daily time, but I have completely forgot to put God in it 
as well. And so my time management is just upside down, and I've let my light go out. This is one that I've thought very carefully about how to word, but being unplugged spiritually. And maybe unplugged is not the right word. Maybe it's being half-plugged. Because it's easy to come here and feel plugged in. Because you are. Especially our youth group kids, you're plugged in. You're doing things. You're busy. We have things and activities and events for you. You're here. And, and when you leave, when you leave and you go to school, it's not that you're not, it's not that you don't have that relationship with God. It's not that you don't care about that relationship with God. But all of a sudden you're in a new place and you've had to unplug from here and you're standing there with your cord and you're looking around, you're going, I want this relationship with God, but in this new place, I'm not exactly sure what to do. I'm not sure where to plug in. I'm not sure where to get involved. I'm not sure what that actually looks like because it's so different than where I was. It's not that I love God less. I love God just as much. But because of everything that's changed, because of everything that's going on, because of this new circle of friends, this new level of freedom, my time management, I'm not sure where to plug back in in this new place in my life. I believe, I believe a lot of us understand that phase of life. And sometimes it takes going through college. And, and what I see so many times is I see couples and young people go to college and they never let go of that cord. They never let go of it. They still have it. But it takes several years for them to remember where to plug it back in, figure out where to plug it in so that their light will shine again. They never give up on it, but they're just not sure how to actually plug in somewhere. And so it's important to keep that in mind. The last thing is the idea of forgetting your purpose. Forgetting your purpose. You are the light of the what? That's your purpose. Above everything else, that's your purpose. What is it that Jesus says? He says, go into all the world making what? Disciples. That is your purpose, is to be a disciple. To our seniors, when you leave here and go off to whatever you're fixing to do next, your purpose, at the end of the day, is not solely to be a student. It's not solely to be an athlete. It's not solely to be um, part of some academic group or some type of social club or, or fraternity or sorority or, or whatever it might be. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to be a child of God. And when we get into the world, when we get out of the routine, when we get into this new place, it's so easy for us to let everybody else tell us what our purpose is. When Jesus has said the whole time, this is your purpose. And if we're not careful, we're not careful, we get distracted just enough, just enough that our lights go out. And sometimes it happens without us even knowing it. One of the cool things about these lamps, and, and to our six graduates, each of you receive a lamp today. That's your prize for, for being here this morning. And they're touchable, which is really neat. One of the things that I love about these lamps is they're dimmable. And sometimes, sometimes we just get comfortable with it on the lowest level. 
hey, I'm going to let it shine, but maybe if I just let it shine as a little bit, maybe that'll be okay. God doesn't want a little bit. God wants it all. So the question becomes, how do we get back to the point when our light goes out, how do we get back to the point that we let our light truly shine? Well, let's go to this next slide here, and we'll kind of wrap things up a little bit. All right, somebody up there, go to the next slide for me. All right, turning the locks back on. First thing is this, seek God. Seek God. Uh, you, you know, um, you know this word, this, this verse. Say it with me. But seek what? First, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Say that with me again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So as you're going through your life, as you're going through, uh, th through, through your schooling, as you're going through your job, this is for everybody. We need to make sure in our life, above everything else, that what we're seeking is Jesus, that he is the focal point, that he is right there in front of us, that he is the most important thing in our life. It's not to say that other things can't be important, that's okay. It's okay for school to be important. Hey, if you're going to school and your parents are paying for you to go to school or you've gotten a scholarship to go to school, it is important for school to be, it is important for your school to be important. It's vital for your school to be important. It just can't be the most important. You've seen me make this illustration before. This is what tends to happen in these moments. Uh, this is not the largest object in the room, my Bible, by any stretch. But if I put it right across my face, it's the only thing that I can see. I can see a few things out the peripherals right here, but it's the only thing that I can see. I can't see anybody, really. I can't see any of you. And, and that's what happens in our life. I'm in school, I'm in my job, and all of a sudden I put so much focus on it that this is all that I can see. And Jesus says, look, Seek me first. Don't let the things that are important or pressing, maybe that's the best way to say it, don't let the things that are most pressing become the most important. Yes, there are pressing things in life, but they're not ever going to be more important than seeking first his kingdom. So as you feel your lights go out, as you feel them dimming, go back and recenter on the most important thing and that is Jesus. The next thing is put first things first. And this all kind of ties in together into the same mindset. In Revelation chapter 2, as, as John is writing to the seven churches, he's dealing with issues that each of them are facing. And, and he comes here in verse 4, he says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But I love that idea in verse 5. Repent and do the things you did at first. If there comes a time that you feel distant from God, if there comes a time that you feel distant from God, it's important to sit down and go, okay, what am I doing right now that's contributing to that? And what was I doing when I felt close to him? When I felt close to him, man, I, I was praying. When I felt close to him, I, was, I, had, I had 
church people, youth group people, class people, Christians. I was involved with them on a daily basis. Uh, I was attending church regularly. I was, I was doing events and activities. These are the things that made me feel close to God, and I realized that they're missing now. So go back and put the first things first. Make sure that they're where they need to be. Go back to your first love. The next thing is give it your all. Give your relationship with God your all. I love these words from Colossians chapter 3. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That word all there means giving it everything you have. Give that relationship the utmost importance. Make it the main thing. When you feel the light dimming, then realize the light's dimming because you're not putting, that, you're not putting the effort in there anymore. You're, that, that's not where the focal point of your, your life is. Put it back where it needs to be. But then there's one last thing that I want you to understand, I want you to know, and this is for everybody, but especially for our graduates, as you are excited and anticipating the newest and next chapter of your life, you can always come home. You can always come home. I want to just just ask a show of hands for some things this morning. To our seniors, or for our seniors this morning, if you through the years have taught this group of seniors in a Bible class, raise your hand. Raise them high, raise them high. If you've gone on, keep them up. If you've gone on trips with this group of seniors in some shape, form, or fashion, raise your hand. Just everybody keep your hands up as it goes on, okay? If you have prayed for these seniors at some time, raise your hand. Seniors, I want you to turn around and look. Keep your hands up. Turn around and look at these people. This is home. This is a place that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what you do, no matter how bad you mess up, you can walk through these doors and we will hug your neck. That doesn't mean we won't wring your neck after we hug it. Because sometimes we have to do that. But I want you to know that no matter what happens, you can always come home. I think that principle is played out so beautifully in this, uh, the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15, as, as the youngest son's in the pig pen, he's sitting there and he's eating, the, not even eating, wanting to eat the slop that the pigs eat. Anybody ever wanted to eat slop? I mean, has your life ever been that bad you wanted to eat slop? I've, I've, I've eaten a lot of things. I've eaten a lot of things. Never wanted to eat slop. But as he's sitting there, what does his mind go back to? I can go where? I can go home. This church loves you. This church cares for you. This church has invested in you. You are who you are in part because of the people in this room. And know that even though you may leave, this is always home. And you can always come back here and be loved and be cared for and be nurtured in your walk with God. Your lots are going to go out. They are. All of ours do from time to time. And that's okay. 
It's okay to struggle. I'm not going to say it's okay to sin, but God knows we're going to. That's why he's offered the path of forgiveness and cleansing in those moments. So it's not necessarily okay to sin, but when we do, he provides us a way back so that we can renew ourselves and we can turn our lights back on. And so this morning, I just want you to, to, to contemplate this over the coming days. When the light goes out, what are you going to do? Let's have a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the chance to just be together this morning, to sing praises to you, to worship you, God, to, to come together and gather around your table and commune with you, to say thank you to you for your son's sacrifice, to be reminded of that, to be connected to each other in the unity of that communion, God. We're grateful for that this morning. We're thankful for your love and your grace for us so that when we do face these distractions in life and we do let our lights go out, when we put out the Spirit's fire, that you provide us a way to, to come home, to, to restart the fire, to turn the lamp back on, God. Help us to always remember that, that you're there for us and that you want us right there with you. God, we're so grateful for the lives of these six seniors that we're honoring through the day. We're thankful for their families, for their willingness to, to devote their lives to you and to bring their children up with you. We just pray that you bless them in this time of transition as they go from being, basically being children into young adults in a very short amount of time, God. We pray that you be a shield about them protect their hearts. We just thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.